Welcome to the Digital Bosses Podcast with Joseph and Claire. Our definition of being your own boss means showing up for yourself so you can show up for everyone and everything personally and professionally. So congratulations on showing up, boss. We created the Digital Bosses Podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you start, grow, and build a purposeful online business. If you are a business owner, creator, looking to build an impactful brand that makes a difference, you are in the right place. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Digital Bosses Podcast. Welcome and welcome back. This is Joseph. I am your co-host and I am joined today by Claire. Hello, Claire. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, good. And then we have our today's guest, which is Andrea. How are you, Andrea? Doing well. Thank you. I am so excited because today we are talking about all things beauty packaging and five steps that you need to build a very strong modern brand in today's day and age. I believe beauty brands, it's something that I've been dealing with in my career for a very long time. It is so exciting to me to see the packaging side of things because if there is one thing that I learned when I was working in beauty and I worked in beauty for over nine years is that packaging does make or break a brand. Today we're diving into what really that means. If you're someone out there listening or looking to build a beauty brand from scratch, this is the right episode for you. Well, I'm super excited to have Andrea in the studio today at the also the founder of Miami Grows Machine. She's on a mission to help more beauty and other CPG stars up more than just a co-packer and I really can't wait to learn more about her journey. First, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So I wanted to actually dive into your background and how did you get into the beauty manufacturing? Very coincidentally, I actually have a background in finance and real estate. Series of different events. Started a CPG stevia company with my brother about 10 years ago, which led to purchasing a manufacturing facility in Miami, Doral, where I am right now, and a beauty brand called Concept2 Cosmetics, which exports bath and beauty products to 55 different countries. A couple of years ago, we had been doing a lot of private label for different clients. We realized quickly that, first of all, I really love talking to founders. That was kind of one of the things that I realized through the process, I would get people coming in and saying, look, I want to launch this. I want to create this new product. And we would want to do it for them. Oftentimes, after they had gone to talk to a lot of different co-packers who would really ignore them or tell them that you needed to launch with 30,000 units minimum, they would end up speaking to me. I really loved talking to them about product development and their businesses just as much as just saying, okay, I'm going to give you a quote and we're going to give you all these units and then buy. I don't need to know anything more about your business. I actually really enjoyed having that conversations. That's how I started to create Miami Growth Machine, which specializes in indie CPG brands. Um, And that's just over the last year completely exploded. I had no idea there was so much demand and such a gap in the market for people that are wanting to start and launch new brands. While Andrea, I'm listening to you, I wish I knew you years ago when I was in corporate. What do you think in terms of small businesses, what is the biggest mistakes they do when creating a product? in your experience? The biggest mistake that I see over and over again is really one of fundamentals. I find that a lot of founders get really excited about the product first instead of their brand. They come to me and they want to talk about a serum. They want to talk about a night cream. They want to talk about fragrance. They want to get into the bottle. They want to get into all these details. But if you don't have a rock solid view of your brand, there are 10,000 decisions that you're going to need to make down the pipeline that are going to be so difficult 
difficult because you're constantly second guessing, does it fit? Is it authentic to your brand? Now, when you start with the brand, all of those decisions fall into place. Very true. There is a lack of foundation, right? Sometimes that's what's missing. Exactly. So I think that's, if you start there, the rest is, the second thing I would say is just um, realizing that you have to do things the way that they've always been done. And that tends to mean that you're launching with really large minimums, which is a lot of cash flow. Being very, very, very conscious of your cash flow early on will allow you to make a mistake here and there, just iterate, make a change, get up and keep going, and it'll keep your brand alive. I love it. Well, I'm actually going to share some experience, especially lately, I've encountered quite a few like beauty founders, startups, just like what you say, they get so excited about getting the creative part. You know, I want to make a makeup palette. I want to come up with this skincare series. There's going to be five different skills. When I actually talked to them a little bit deeper, have you thought about brandings? How are you going to positioning? And they pause. It's like, oh, interesting. I actually have not thought about it. And then not really knowing what is branding really means. That actually leaned into the next question because I know you encounter so many different beauty founders and different entrepreneurs and different stage. What is the biggest mistake small beauty brand that do when creating a product from the beginnings? If you really have your good understanding of your brand, then from there, it is being able to talk to your partner about your co-packer partner or whoever you're working with to start to create your formulation, to really understand your supply chain management, and then get to your first product. I actually think starting small is really good. Even if you have all the cash in the world, I can tell you from my experience, I have container loads that we ship around the world. And when I launch a new product, I don't launch with 30,000 units. I launch with a thousand and I send them to my customers. Then I get feedback from them. They don't like a fragrance that the size might not be the right one. And I start to incorporate the feedback or it could be, sure, let's send me 10 cases, send me 300 cases. But we've already done that work to be able to scale to the point that they need. And it takes a little bit of creativity to create and launch a pilot batch that isn't a huge batch because manufacturing is always going to want to push you into scale. That's how the money's made. Excited about the bigger numbers. It's from a founder's perspective. It's never the right way to go, in my opinion. Absolutely. I agree. From a financial place, it's better to understand what works, what doesn't, and have a feedback from the client before investing on expanding the brand or whatever that is, expanding the range. And what Claire mentioned before about thinking of the product and thinking about just the collection and not thinking about the overall direction of the brand, I think that's a very big superpower. So can you walk me through the process of creating a skincare brand? Let's say I am calling to you and I say, I want to create a skincare brand today or a beauty brand. What do I have to have in place before I come to that meeting? I love seeing a brand guide. Even if you haven't launched anything, I really appreciate having an understanding of the look and feel of your brand and understanding the positioning. So the way I work with clients when we first start, we have a kickoff meeting and it's a strategic meeting. It's not about just how many units you're going to plunk out or which formulations we're going to do for you. It's really talking about your brand, how your products fit into and align with that. Yeah, from that point, we would go through an R&D phase, launching your skincare brand with like a cleanser, a serum and a moisturizer. We would do an R&D phase that incorporates the marketing attributes that you want to highlight in your brand, order any ingredients that we don't already have in-house. For example, if you're really looking to highlight a particular extract or you want to have a particular fragrance or there's something really unique about your brand that you want to make sure it gets incorporated in the formulation, then we'll create samples, send them to you. I also simultaneously really like to know about your packaging. If you already 
already have that in place, great. If not, we can also help deal with that depending on your the volume that you're looking to produce. We have a variety of different vendors that we work with. It might make sense to use in-stock packaging here already in the U.S., or it might make sense to do custom packaging. So depending on where you are, your process, we can really work with any of those vendors that will either do a custom thing for you. We can work with something and label it and make it look really on point with, with your brand. We then test everything. We test your formulation in your packaging. We make sure that the stability, that it, you know, everything's working, the pumps are working, that there's no issues with um, the size of your tube or anything like that. Any, then any feedback that the client has, we incorporate. Sometimes first round, we nail it. Sometimes it takes another round to just incorporate some a little bit of feedback. If you think something's too sticky or you want it to absorb faster, you prefer without fragrance this time. Little things that you really you won't notice until you try it and you use it for a bit. We just, once that's done, the formula is yours. You've, once you've made your payment, we just go into production. It's a process that is basically formulation, the packaging at the same time because you have to test them together. Always keeping in mind kind of where you're going, which is to produce at scale eventually. I love what you are saying about testing, sampling, because it literally reminds me back in the day when I used to work for uh, companies, everything essential oil aromatherapist. There was a lot of rebrandings because the founder obviously was a little bit like, you know, everywhere. When she wanted to rebrand, she didn't have a very clear strategy and then doesn't really have a brand guidelines in place. But she had lots of idea that she wanted to make sure that it's really standing out from the competitors. We did a lot to test and then just talking about like formulation, tested and then didn't go well. I think this is an ex something I actually want to share with a lots of founders, especially in the beauty space and personal cares. If you are really thinking uh, to dive in your first little baby, the first cube, really make sure that the brand guideline, because it's so important, it's going to help you with your staff, especially I used to do merchandising. Without the brand guidelines, it's really hard and for marketing as well. And also for the staff, you want to really make sure that you place everything starting from knowing your brand, what's the guide, and then what is the next thing when you talk about formulation and packaging. And I noticed that lots of people really do the other way around. That's why they end up like testing. They waste so much money and then packaging and they realize this is so wrong. So, you know, the packaging is not right. And even when you come out the product, the labeling is not even right. The packaging doesn't seem what you actually have pictures. So I like how Andrea, you really dive into guiding the uh, consumers, also the founders, you know, make sure when you start to build product, have the guideline ready, have your strategy, have your branding positioning in place. I want to say thank you so much for sharing that because I think this is going to be very powerful to influence people out there. Hey, it's Claire here. How's going? Are you enjoying the episode today? And what is your biggest takeaway? If you like what you're listening and make sure that you go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We value your feedback and let us know how we can improve. And now back to the show. That's a really good point, Claire, that I mean, I'm honestly coming at this from operations manufacturing perspective, but having that clear is going to help with obviously with your marketing, obviously with like having your team aligned with your vision. It helps you on so many multiple levels. I can't emphasize that anymore. Yes. Great. I love that. What is coming up for me is direction, positioning, having standards as well. This is why brand guidelines are super important because it's telling you as a manufacturer what the standards look like. It's telling the team later on what the 
position looks like and it's given an overall picture that everybody's going to the same direction now i have a question that i'm super interested in working in beauty for a long time i have experienced a lot of white labeling for someone that doesn't really know what white labeling is it's about having a product that is manufactured one way will have a name on it you might have the same product with a different brand on top of it i would love you to share andrea your experience with that and what's your take on that so i think it works really well to go the white label route if that's not your core business if you are an influencer your core business is something else you now want to add a fragrance or you want to add some type of cpg product to your line because it's a nice extra almost like merch you know like you would add a t-shirt to your website then i think it makes sense because here's the thing with white label you don't own the formula that's someone else's formula that's your co-packers formula it's something that they have stock formulations then they'll just put your brand on it which is easy it means that you can get your product out fast quickly you can sell it to make some money off of that very soon none of my clients are really doing that because when they by the time they're coming to me they have very specific needs they are gonna something off shelf is just not gonna work for them if they're all practically every single person I've talked to they're gonna want to have some packaging customization I have a lot of clients that are incorporating their own ancestral heritage into their product it might be Caribbean it might be European or it might be Latin American they're looking to infuse these ingredients into their product formulations that's not going to be something that you find off the shelf right that's and that's part of their bracket marketing and their positioning so I really think that that doesn't for the clients that I'm working with we're doing custom but and it makes sense because that way then it's your formula if you're fundraising if you're launching if you have total control over your cost basis you know exactly what your product your cost basis where you're seeing the projections for, for your company I think it's a very difficult thing to do when you are relying on a co-packer they hide all that information behind a one flat price so you don't know what your ingredients are costing you don't know what your packaging is costing you have no transparency with that I love that and I want to bring three examples for anyone listening that wants a little bit more clarity with it I've been consulting with a brand in the past I did consulting for a brand I'm not going to mention what the brand is they are a luxury brand and they decided to do white labeling to position a new line to a different market that's also an avenue that a lot of people do it was the same product the percentage might have been a bit different but the brand and the core was the same essentially what happened that main revenue stream was the core brand that, that they white label another brand to then position into a different market one was luxury market the other one was sort of drugstore market that was also something that I seen a lot of people doing another example is someone who as you mentioned doesn't have skincare or hair care or body care as the main business but they want to touch on that almost like a trend that will say I have two example the first one could be a hairdresser having their own line of product with their name they don't want to probably invest too much on the manufacturer of the product because that's not the main business but they want to be able to expand the footprint of the brand in a way that is essential for them and also works quite quickly so the white labeling could be an option and another example could be anyone looking to jump on a trend with their skincare lines it's about what are you known for I am known for body products and I decided that this year CBD is on trend so I'm going to white label CBD and going to do something with CBD. I didn't create a formulation from it, but I just want to jump on a trend. For any consultant, someone working marketing, to give an example on social media, is when you have your identity video marketing, your video where you speak on camera and when you jump on trends. Exactly the same concept. Just to kind of give an analogy out there. I love how you guys are sharing your experience. The white labeling, just like how beauty influencers or celebrities, that would, they would do the same things. They would just because they're known for on social media, media 
they have big followings, and then they started to create a beauty brand, a beauty skincare. And literally, you will see the ingredient. It's basically the same thing from other brands. I want to talk about the packaging because I think the beauty packaging is bigger than ever. A lot of people are using as like, okay, they want to keep it sustainable. Um, they want to make sure that it's eco-friendly. I want to ask Andrea, what has been the biggest shift um, to packaging, especially what is trending? If you can share your experience. Just thinking about sustainability, in my view, the best way to be sustainable is to not launch with huge MOQ because that's what ends up happening there. You have 30,000 units. Maybe you need to change some ingredient. You need to change something about the packaging because you're still iterating and learning about your customer. And now you have a bunch of pallets that you need to offload at Marshall's or at a discount store where that's where all those products go and you're selling them at 10% of what you would be selling them elsewhere. So that's something to keep in mind. If you're starting like we like to start, which is with no minimums, then you're already being sustainable. You're not just creating more landfill for the sake of satisfying large scale way of doing things. It's kind of the traditional way of doing things. The other thing I would say is the single most popular thing that I've been seeing is tubes. You can have a variety of different types of packaging finishes. They can be the internal, the raw materials of the tubes can be different. It helps you to create a look and feel that can have really beautiful graphic design and have a very elevated look or just whatever it is that you're looking to do in terms of the color and the graphics without these massive minimums. There's some places that we found that really will work well with us when it comes to, to tubes. And then, of course, you don't have to fill all the tubes at once. You can choose to hold off on some of them and fill them as you need. But yeah, tubes are extremely popular. They're so easy to use to get cream out so you're not dipping your hands into jars. You're not contaminating the of a cream, for example. If you can get a solid tube, that light won't go in. You're not altering the formula in ways that might happen with a, a glass or transparent pet um, jar or a bottle. So there's a lot of advantages to it. That's why I think a lot of people are, we're seeing a lot of beauty products launched in tubes right now. Especially during the pandemic, I think there was also an issue with hygiene. People couldn't touch, especially in stores. You know, you couldn't access to testers. I remember walking through department stores and seeing like, empty stands of makeup with no product to try because we couldn't. And I think the packaging where you have the tube that you twist on the bottom could be a very good option for hygiene purposes. I think it makes a huge difference as well. Before we wrap this up, I'd like you to share five points, like a little starter pack for anyone listening, looking to rebrand or start a new brand from scratch when it comes to packaging, what they need to consider, how they go about it. Well, we've talked about brand, brand, brand. That's number one. Have that rock solid and then we are so flying. That's always good. Two is really understand what your ideal minimum is. That's not what someone else is telling you it has to be. It's what you really want to do. And if it's 30, fine. If it's 30,000, whatever it is, I usually need a ballpark. Think about like, how are you seeding? Are you sending your initial lot to influencers, to brand people? Who's going to be the first people that you're going to be getting your product to their hands? Really understanding that that's your pilot lot, knowing that number for you, what's ideal. And because everybody's cash situation is different, really considering that aspect. Back. Just be a bit flexible. With that in mind, really start to look when I see clients that do this. The next tip that I'm going to tell you when they come back to me, like the first conversation versus after, it's like a before and after that's it's so impressive to me. Go to stores and look at packaging, but look at the packaging because <laughs> it's we all go to stores and we shop. And then when you start to focus on the packaging, you are going to see things you never realized. You've gone into Target a million times. You've gone into Sephora a million
million times and you had no idea the same bottle is being used for 15 different brands. <laughs> Once that thing clicked, then it's like, wait a minute. And then you start to see, okay, size, is this custom? Is this being labeled? Maybe you have an idea that labeling is, looks cheap. Go into Chanel, see what they're doing with their glass bottles and they put a label on it. One of the most simple packaging I have ever seen is Chanel. There isn't anything luxury to be a bottle other than the top. They're spending a lot of money on marketing. That doesn't mean that you can't have look and feel. Be open to seeing the whole thing. Maybe you put a box. That's what makes it a little bit extra. From my perspective, what I'm doing is I'm calculating what vendor minimums are and I'm pushing my vendors on their minimums on what they can do for you at what at what cost. Having a little bit of flexibility helps a lot. There's going to be a million problems, but if you have a good partner, you'll figure them all out. There's no way to overanalyze before you launch. There's going to be things that you didn't predict because it's a new product. It's not out there. It's not out in the world. Maybe you're using a bottle that's been used many times, so you maybe you won't have any issues. We try to test everything and try to prevent as much as possible, and obviously our experience helps, but there could be something, a combination of elements. There's a supply chain issue that comes up that's been completely comes out of the woodwork, unpredictable, which has happened a lot in the last couple of years. Just know that not everything's going to go perfectly the way you expect it to. Having that mentality will save you a lot of stress. And then five, just remember why you started all of this. It's a lot of fun. It, the, creating a new product and then putting it out there and seeing it on a shelf for the first time is really special and exciting. It'll definitely be worthwhile because you're incorporating something that's authentic out into the world. I love it. And thank you so much for sharing all these essential five steps for beauty founders, entrepreneurs that who are thinking to build a beauty brand. I think these are so much that take away they can start to think about it. Everything start with branding. If you have your brand very clear how to position yourself, it makes it so much easier to start building your beauty brand. I would like to ask you, Andrea, how can people find you? And if they're interested to find out more about your business, where can they find you? Thank you. I'm Andrea Sid. I'm CEO and founder of Miami Growth Machine. So you can find me at miamigrowthmachine.com. You can actually go ahead and book a consult with me directly off of the website. My um, available slots are there. I also recommend you guys check out our Instagram. We often post a lot of information from other partners and vendors, especially when it comes to funding opportunities, grants. Miami Growth Machine, we're, we specialize in formulation, supply chain, and production, but we're also really a community of founders and other people in CPG. And so I'm always sharing things that will help our community because the truth is like there's so many opportunities for all of us. We really not, Indies aren't competing against each other. They're kind of competing against the, the big players. It's more about helping us get to that next level of scale. I think like we found a, a really great community of people that want to do that. Thank you so much for listening to the Digital Bosses podcast with your co-host, Claire. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive conversation into all the practical tips and hacks that you can apply to grow your business. If you like the show today and you would like to support our podcast, please share with others and take a screenshot of the episode and tag us on social media such as Instagram and LinkedIn and let us know your feedback because we would love to know and share that to the world. And until then, I will see you with Joseph, same time, same place, next week.